0: So we'll be in Matthew chapter 28 again today, and next week as well. And we'll be in verses 17 through 20 again. All right, let's jump in. Matthew 28, uh, verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted him. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you, we uh, are excited to learn from you. Um, Please disperse all the thoughts, uh, all the distractions, um, would help us to tune in to your word and to your Holy Spirit as you teach us um, and remind us of the truths of scripture and help us to uh, receive all that you have for us today. Please use uh, all the words that come out of my mouth uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so today uh, is the third week of four that we have been diving into the Great Commission. Uh, We call this series One for All, uh, Jesus and the Four Alls of the Great Commission. And uh, we get those four alls from verses 18 through 20 where Jesus claims, one, all authority. Uh, And then he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and then he finishes by saying, and I am with you always. And so we've been looking at each of those four all statements, and kind of the significance of each one. Uh, The first week we talked about Jesus having all authority, not only in heaven and on earth, but also in our own lives, in our own choices, in our own plans, uh, in our day-to-day lives, and we talked through how, you know, like in verse 17, having doubts In that process, having hesitations, having wrestlings and waverings uh, is normal. (laughs) And it happened to the first disciples, and it happens to us. And that is normal and necessary to work through. Um, But ultimately, that Jesus is worthy. uh, And truly has something to share with everyone, everywhere. And then last week, Andy taught that the message is to go to all nations. And yes, that includes Seattle. But it also includes every other nation. And that the going, Jesus commands, isn't optional. It's not a, it's not a you know an asterisk that says only if only some people. Uh, we are all called to go in some way. Um, but it, it can only be done out of love and devotion to Jesus, not a you know heads-down, dutiful obligation. So next week we're going to finish off with my favorite. Of the Great Commission, which is Jesus promising to be with us, you know, every step of the way from here on out um, for our entire life and for the rest of what he calls the age. But today we're going to zero in on that first bit of verse 20, which says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And in order to participate in this Uh, part of Jesus' commission, you really, it's pretty important to have bought in. Because this is the messy part. This is the uh, lifelong, doing life with other Christians part. Uh, Looking back to verse 19, uh, it starts with encouraging these new disciples to publicly commit their lives to Jesus through baptism. Baptism is a public statement that says, I am Jesus. I have died with Jesus, I'm going to be raised with Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of him. (laughs) So that's how it starts. But then it begins this lifelong, not done until that day process of learning to obey Jesus, learning to obey his commands in all of life, in every stage of life in every portion of of your development, you know, from childhood through uh, old age and everything in between. And to participate in this part, it's important to give him all authority over your life, like we talked about uh, in the first week. You know, we need to trust him, we need to believe his words, and therefore believe the entirety of Scripture, which Jesus himself affirms, but he also claims to be the main character of. And if you've given yourself completely over to him, if he is indeed your Lord, if he indeed has a say, or no, the say over your life, then you're ready to tell others and teach others that this is the best thing for them too. If you're not there today, I'd like to remind you you're in good company. If you're doubting or hesitating uh, to fully commit your life to this mission, whatever your vocation, even Jesus' most faithful and intimate disciples found themselves in places of wavering, doubt, hesitation. And this can happen throughout our our Christian walk. It can be something that we encounter more than once, definitely more than once. But, just like the disciples, we're not to stay in that place. You know, ultimately... Pretty much all of Jesus's twelve disciples died for their faith. You know, they they may have doubted, you know, as we see in verse seventeen, but ultimately they said, "No, I'm in. You know, I'm I'm going to throw all my all my eggs in this uh, Jesus basket." And they were killed for it. And so here in post-Christian, post-postmodern Seattle, you know, hesitating is normal. Deconstruction is is the ideal. And to a certain degree, it's well and good. But it's not meant to be forever. At some point, we need to decide to follow Jesus. Just as His disciples had to do. But if you're not there today, that's okay. Just please keep listening nonetheless. So how do we go about fulfilling this part of Jesus' commission? So today, using, you know, verse 20 here, we're going to walk through some of the basics. You know, what are we to teach one another? How are we to teach one another? And how long are we to teach one another? And so let's take a look. What are we to teach one another? Well, it's right there, right? It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So who who is Jesus talking about teaching at this moment? And he says in verse 20 that are teaching them. Who is them who is the them they are these new disciples they are brand new Christians so really before we start teaching anybody about say King David or, or uh, the history of Israel or the end times and the prophecy and different things we have to start by making the disciples right and the only way to do that is by telling someone the gospel. So the first thing we are to teach is the gospel. Both Mark's and Luke's retelling of what we're doing here, the Great Commission, where Jesus, you know, sends them out, both of them explicitly say, go out and proclaim the gospel (laughs) to all nations. So that's our first, that's the first what, you know, of what are we to be teaching Forgiveness, like we just learned, is available. That's that's our like North Star of what we are to teach. You know, no, you can't keep Jesus' commands. So Jesus kept them all for you. He kept God's law perfectly. Then he died in your place. And then you rose from the dead to prove that it worked. You know, he now offers you forgiveness. And empowers you by his Holy Spirit to be able to now keep his commands and live a new life to God. You know, uh, Paul writes that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You know, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We've given; we've been given new hearts, you know, as Ezekiel writes. A heart of flesh versus a heart of stone. You know, all, that's only possible through this part the gospel. So what are we to teach each other? The gospel. Again and again. Second, we are to teach just what it says. You know, all that Jesus commands. And please, keep in mind, this, the, this is talking to Christians who have already gotten saved by grace. You know, Je- Jesus isn't trying to create another round of Pharisees who are trying to keep all 600 commands to the T and prove that they were righteous. No, this is what we are to pursue after and because we have been saved by grace. We are not to try to live by all that Jesus commanded in order to earn his favor or his love. But as his disciples, having been saved by his grace, having been set free from the shackles, like Chris saying earlier, that we all say, we are now to pursue living according to what he taught. He didn't command us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind for no reason. He wants us to do that. He wants us to do unto others what we would have them do unto us. He wants us to lay our lives down for our friends and even our enemies. He wants us to take up our cross and follow Him. These are all commands of Jesus. And we are to teach one another to keep them. The key is that He has provided the means and taken away the highest stakes of our failure. So, first, we are to teach one another the gospel. Second, we are to teach one another his commands, as according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. But third, we are to remember that Jesus affirms the entirety of Scripture. In Matthew, the book that we're in, the first major block of Jesus' words is the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the first things Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is, do not think that I have come to abolish the law for the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then he says, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. He then goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to reaffirm pretty much all of the Ten Commandments and even tighten them up. You know, he says, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, you know, if you're harboring bitterness, if you're harboring anger, if you're harboring hatred in your heart toward a brother or sister, you better watch out. In fact, you're, you're, you're at risk. And more than that, you need to reconcile. Or he says, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But he says, but I say to you, if you even think about someone else sexually in your mind, whether it's on a screen or in person, you're already down that path. You've already broken that commandment. And so Jesus doesn't kind of do away with the law of God. You know, he kind of cranks it up a notch. And of course, none of us can keep the law. Of God. That's why the gospel is number one. And even further, he doesn't only affirm God's word; he also claims the spotlight of God's word in every place in God's word. There's there's a few spots that I want to highlight. You know, he told a crowd of Jewish leaders who were kind of mad at him uh, in John five. He says. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. And then after Jesus is raised from the dead, he appears to two of his disciples that were kind of taking a long walk. Trying to shake off the despair of having just witnessed Jesus brutally executed. They're on a, a walk. You know, just getting out of Dodge. And he appears right next to them. He kind of walks with them for a while. And he's like, what's going on? What's been going on in Jerusalem these days? And they're like, who are you? Did you just fly in from somewhere? Like, this guy was crucified and killed. And we thought he was going to be all of it, you know? And they were just like totally in a bad headspace. And so Jesus kind of walks with them. And eventually things get around to... To him explaining to them that everything that just happened to this, this uh, teacher named Jesus had to happen. And so he walked from Genesis to Malachi and said, It all spoke of me. You know, this is all about me. Look, look at the scripture, it's about me. That's a pretty bold claim. And then lastly, He he writes a couple of letters to one of the disciples he made named Timothy. And Timothy ultimately becomes like his protege. But one of the things he writes to Timothy kind of gets this point across of of Jesus being the main thing, but all of Scripture being important to prop him up. He writes in 2 Timothy 3, As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, these are the Old Testament, uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent Equipped for every good work, you know. So Paul, he says, through faith in Christ Jesus, all of Scripture points to Him, and all of Scripture is important to for us to be able to understand exactly who He is and what He did. So, what are we to teach? First, the gospel. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death you deserve. And now he offers you freedom. New life. A new heart. Because of him, you can be a new creation like we talked about before. Second, we are to teach all that Jesus commanded. We're not to sugarcoat what this means. Jesus freely paid for our salvation and freedom, but then he says, if you want to follow him, you must take up your cross daily to do so. He's not just a get out of jail free card. He requires allegiance. But then, sorry. So yeah, we don't get to just go on our merry way once we've been rescued from hell. Third, we are to teach all of Scripture as viewed through the lens of who Jesus is. You know, do we need to make animal sacrifices? Scripture commands it. No, we don't. Because Jesus was the final sacrifice. Do we need to avoid certain foods as scripture commands earlier? No. Because he, he made all things clean. But do we need all of scripture, Old and New Testaments, to understand all that he accomplished? Absolutely. That's why as a church and even as the Calvary movement at large, that's why we just teach through the Bible. That's pretty much the M.O. of what it means to be a Calvary is it takes the Bible. And the Bible is, as Paul writes, the whole counsel of God. And it explains what Jesus did and points to Him and is fulfilled by Him. So that's the what. That's the what of what are we to teach one another. The Gospel, Jesus' commands, the whole Scripture. But we need to take pause and remember It's not just a what. You know, what are we? We are disciples. Disciple means there's someone that you're looking to, right? A person. We are disciples or learners. We are learning a person. We're not learning just doctrine. We're not learning just a catechism. We're learning human being who's <laughs> also God. But he's alive. You know, he spoke, but he still speaks. That's why Jesus says we are to teach these new disciples to observe all that he has commanded. Now that word observe is is like you know say you observe a high holiday of, of your heritage or something. You keep it. You do it. It involves actions. It involves Setting things up, doing the thing—it's not just head knowledge, right? It's acted out. It's embodied. Uh, fancy words for this is we're not just all about orthodoxy; it's also orthopraxy, which means right actions, you know, not just right beliefs, practices. You know, this is why the first Christians were known as followers of the Way because it was not just up here, it's, it's acted out in person, face to face, in relationship. I'm a nurse by trade, and nurses, like new graduate nurses, or even student nurses, they don't just have to read books. You know, It's not good enough to know kind of like, okay, this is how you give someone a bed bath, this is, this is kind of what's going on with cancer. Okay, kind of get that, all right, I'm ready. No, it's the majority, at least half, is hands-on. Right, we call it precepting. That's, that's where, you know, as a new nurse, scared out of my skin, I'm in the hospital, and someone who's been around a while is my preceptor, who is following me around, making sure I don't kill anybody. And that's helpful. And necessary. And and the reason is because knowledge and, and all that is great, but I need to be able to use my fingers to put in an IV in a way that's not unknown. Right? It's hands-on. Um, you have to do it in order to learn. And that's that's what Jesus is getting at He doesn't say just teach them my command. You know, have them memorize all my commands. No, he says, teach them to observe my commands. Teach them to keep them. Teach them to act them out. Being a disciple of Jesus means we are learning the hands-on skills of being like Jesus. And we're following his ways. You know, one thing Jesus did that I can do a better job of is getting away by himself to pray. And you think that, as God, he wouldn't need that. Like, he'd kind of just have an off, just a, he have, like have a camelback of, of energy that he could just access. Uh, but no. He, according to Philippians, he like emptied himself of all those attributes. And he took on weakness he took, he took on the energy level of a human being, which, you know, varies between a lot of us. Uh, but it was spent at times. And so what, what he would do, what he did, according to the first one or two chapters of Mark, after an all-day you know all day healing session where people are lined up for miles and just doing it, he purposefully and intentionally wakes up before the dawn... And just goes. Just you just gotta get away. I need just time. Sorry, I can't be there right now. I gotta be with my father and recharge. And his disciples, Peter leading the charge, are like all looking for him. Like, where is this guy? Doesn't he wanna be famous? Like, there's people here, like we gotta keep this going. And they're looking for him and frustrated that he's not there. And he, they finally find him and say, where were you? Everyone's looking for you. And he, he'd he been away. <laughs> he'd been off the grid. He turned his phone off and just went to Lopez or whatever. And he got away in solitude and silence. Uh, Sabbath, uh, pause. He stopped. Stopped everything because something else is needed right now. And we could, we could all learn a few things from that, especially as Americans just busy, got the schedule, got the calendar, but Jesus did it, you know? And if he had to do it, we had to do it in order to be healthy disciples of him. That's one thing. And then since we're disciples of a person, you know, not just a set of doctrines. You no, know, we can take our struggles and our, our issues with said doctrine directly to Him. And I've had to do this so many times. And I've been walking with the Lord for 20 20 years, you know, give or take. And there are so many times when I'm like, okay, You know, you read something in in the Word, you see something that's happening in the church, and you're like, gosh, Lord, what do I do with this? But if, if He is who He said He is, and we're disciples of Him, then can we accept a piece of His own Word that we don't exactly like? Can He be trusted even with areas in His Word that we don't understand? Like the disciples said, when Jesus kind of gives them an out, he says, when a a bunch of people have walked away from Jesus, he says, do you want to walk away too? And they're like, Peter says, no, Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? I might be confused. I might be struggling. I might be having some just painful things going on. Um, but if he can be trusted then that's a good place to start and that's where I like to direct people when they're struggling with some portion of you know, scripture it's like okay pull back a little bit, look at Jesus and examine what he said about scripture but don't reverse it you know, like, it's him first and if, if what he says goes then alright because he is worth it. Okay, and then, as far as keeping his commands goes, holy smokes, that's hard, right? I mean, just his typing up the Ten, the ten Commandments alone is like, oh, it's, it's like don't not just like all the knots, like don't do this, don't do this. He's like, okay, pursue reconciliation. Okay, uh, don't just not steal, but give. <laughs> give generously and sacrificially. Okay, just those two alone. It's like, Whoa, that's tough. And there's going to be times when as His disciples we're just like at the end of our rope, right? And we're like, I'm having a hard time doing this. That's good. That's normal. That's why it's important to remember we're disciples of a person. Because who is the person? And the person He's the one who gave the commandments, yes. He's also the one who kept the commandments for you. He's the one who laid down his life because you couldn't. He's the one who was raised to new life so that we can also be raised to new life. So all all the struggles, all the issues that we have, when we come to that place where we're just like, can't do it, all we need to do is recenter our attention on the Lord and what he did. Just like Peter when he's walking on water, whoa, and he he started getting distracted by the wind and the waves, you know, all he needed to do is to keep his eyes on Jesus, and that's what we do. He's the one who says in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now who here isn't intrigued by the idea of soul rest? Isn't that what we're all needing all the time? And even though he says, follow me, take up your cross, that's what you have to do to follow me. He also says, when you do that, I'll give you soul rest. Walk away from a master like that. Bind me to your side, Jesus. So there's a what, there's a who, but the question remains how? How are we to teach one another? And uh, this is a plural command. You know, he's talking to all of his disciples, and he says, Go and make disciples of the entire planet, baptize them, and Teach them to observe all that I have commanded. This is a community project. This is a group effort. We do this together. This is a must. And one of the ways we can move the needle you know, in obeying Jesus in all the areas of our life is by opening up every area of our lives to the tender gaze of God and of loving siblings in Christ fellow disciples who can speak the word of God, who can speak the what, into those areas that still need Jesus' Lordship. The words of Paul are helpful uh, when he writes to the Ephesian church on how this is supposed to work with all of us. He says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. So, we are to speak the truth, a.k.a. the word of God, a.k.a. the commands of Jesus, a.k.a. the gospel. We are to speak that truth in love, a.k.a. in loving relationship. Doing life together, but not just pursuing intimate friendship, but intentionally pursuing Jesus together. Not, uh, it's not just for the sake of relationship, although that is a valuable thing. It's for the sake of pursuing Him together. One of the most important, moments of my life was when I was like 20 and we hadn't quite started this church yet But uh, so I was in college at Seattle Pacific and but I was kind of still going back to my home church Calvary Fellowship in Mountain Terrace and and I was dealing with some stuff uh, some of the most important things I've dealt with you know in my life, up until that point, you know, I was dealing with uh, okay. Here I am, an adult, or kind of. But I have freedom to choose things now. You know, I'm not just supposed to give good grades in the classes that are told to me. That's not my job anymore. You know, my job is to decide what to do with my life. And going from the, hey, get good grades and do things and be involved in lots of stuff and have fun. That was easy for me. The hard part was jumping into the okay, Mr. 18 to 22 year old, decide what you're going to do with your life. And I just like froze. Like, I had panic attacks. Like, literal panic attacks. Because I had never to that day made and I, I just feel so funny. It just sounds like it's not a big deal. But at the time, I had never made a big decision in my life. <laughs> Everything was kind of laid out, you know? And I did good at all the things that were laid out. For me. But it was when I had the... I had the onus on me to choose what I was going to do with me. And whew, that just slayed me. And... uh And at the same time, I was dating my future wife, and uh, I I also had some commitment issues, which was related to indecisiveness issues, which were related to the same thing I just said. Anyways, all that to say is God used, you know, two important decisions in my life that I had to make if I was going to keep on living, you know, what to do, and who to be with, and he used that to just just make me know how much I needed him. Because I was going to just, I was just going to have panic attacks for the rest of my life if I didn't do it. I couldn't make that decision. And he never told me what to do. Um, ah, I wish he would have done that. <laughs> but he doesn't do that a lot of times. A lot of times he's trying to create in us, you know, some, to be someone who can make decisions. <laughs> and that's not the same thing. So, anyways, I'm in the middle of that just torment, torrential <coughs> being, and right in the middle of that, he puts me in this small group, you know, of men. It was led by my dad, and one of the portions of it was just everyone kind of gets a chance every couple weeks to kind of just tell what's going on <laughs> in your life. Uh, and the first week I went, it was my turn because I'm new, and the floodgates just poured out because for several years I hadn't had anybody who was looking into my life. You know, I had—I obviously had God, but He uses each of us. You know, I needed the, the eyes of brothers in Christ to just look, just to look at what was going on in here, and just that—just that. Just that in and of itself, like, I count that as probably one of the most important moments of my life when I was able to just say what was going on. <laughs> and it's so common sense, but is it, isn't it also not? <laughs> you know, we we tend to kind of, as things get rough in here, we tend to kind of tighten it up a little more from being able to offload it onto our brothers and sisters. And so, one of the ways, you know, we... Teach each other. Uh, the what is in community, right? It's in it's in opening up the door of our lives to one another. Uh, pretty simple, but pretty important. Um, and this isn't only accomplished by uh, you know spoken word. This isn't only accomplished by all right. Let's listen to someone teach the Bible or you know. Uh, it's not only accomplished with words. But uh, also by example. And I was kind of r- reminded and almost shocked at how important this is in the letters of the Paul. I want to read a couple passages and I want you guys to keep your ears tuned to words like imitate. You know, in Philippians 3, he writes, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And then the next chapter, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the god of peace will be with you and then the letter to the corinthians paul writes be imitators of me as i imitate christ and then finally he writes i do not write these things to you to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children for though you have countless guides in christ you do not have many fathers for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. So this word imitates, it's, it's repeated throughout the New Testament. It, it gets across this idea of, kind of like, you know, a like new, uh, maybe a new, HVAC technician, or a new electrician, or a new carpenter, or a new nurse—these are on-the-job things that we learn. You know, it's not just about you know consuming true words. You know, it's about watching true actions. And you know, it's not just about the accumulation of solid teaching. You know, it's not just about how many sermon podcasts you listen to on a daily, weekly basis. This is about proximity to both mature believers, you know, like Timothy was in proximity to Paul, uh, in order to imitate them, in order to learn from them in specific ways. You know, how does, see, how does you know, this older, more wise believer do things like summer vacations? How do they do that in a way that's glorifying to Jesus? You know, how does this other uh, software engineer glorified Jesus at work. Like, how do you do that? That's part of what this means. It's, it's to be surrounded by both mature, more mature believers and less mature believers so that you can be, so that you can go, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. that. That glorifies Jesus. Awesome. And I'm going to do that in a specific way. Or someone who's less mature or newer in the faith, you know, you're able to be their example. And that's how this works. <laughs> you know, clearly Paul's like, get along, get, get next to someone who believes in Jesus and has been, and maybe a couple years further down the road and, and watch them. You know, look at them. Just examine what they do, how they do it. Um yeah, and that's important. Yesterday we were at a little outdoor baby shower thing and it was kind of sunny yeah it was sunny but it was also like not that hot and at first you know when we were planning it we were like okay this is gonna be like beach day we're gonna bring beach toys yeah sunscreen the whole bit but you know when it's like 67 you're like do I want to jump in the Puget Sound probably not you know I wish it was 85 then I would uh But someone showed up, one of my old friends, and he was the only one that put on sunscreen. And as you can see, I didn't. Uh, And I got burned in the face. But he did, and, but when he was doing it, you know, you could tell everyone was like, oh. In our our minds, we're like, that's a good idea. I know that's a good idea. I can ascend to that truth. But did we imitate him like we should have? I didn't. (laughs) And I'm paying for it, but we all know skin cancer is not good. We all know that. We all know you can get burned in overcast weather, but none of us put on sunscreen. But if you see someone doing it, you're like, oh, you're more likely to, because you're like, I trust them. I think I'll do that, even though you already know. That's what this is. You know, this can't be done via podcast. This can't be done via Zoom. This is done in community. This is done face-to-face. This is done in life, doing it together, as Andy definitely mentioned last week, too. So we talked about the the what, which involves a who. We talked about the how a little bit. And lastly, how long. So Jesus has given us some things to do, some some ways to grow. Okay, I get it. How long are we supposed to be doing this? And he follows up this part of the command, you know, in verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he finishes out, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So this means that this is what we are to be about until the end of the age. You know, a couple of years ago, we crafted and definitely didn't implement it as well as we should, have, but crafted a vision statement. You know, that said, we are going to be a church that grows mature disciples of Jesus by speaking God's word in loving relationship to each other and to our neighbors. And that was kind of our little nutshell thing, because that's kind of what we got with with this passage. Like, this is what we are to be about as the church of Jesus, we are to be about teaching one another in close community what God loves and what God wants and what God says and we're to bring people in in the process. Right? So that's what we are to be about for the rest of our lives. Notice Jesus never gives us sort of the go-ahead to move on to bigger and better things. He's not like, alright, when you've gone through the Bible 20 times, like Alright, move on to some other things. No. He doesn't give us uh, the go-ahead to move to more culturally vogue methods of self-improvement or improving our world. No. This is his prescription. To accept the gospel for ourselves, then to share the gospel with others, then in the context of loving relationship, to set about learning and learning and learning for the rest of our days just how much that gospel has accomplished and can accomplish in us and those we love. And at least our church, we're never going to move on to anything else because this is what the Lord has uh, given us to do. So what has He given us to do? He's given us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. God uh, as a as a world we are we are transitioning out of something horrible. Um uh, but also you used the last year in many ways in each of our lives, but it's been a tough year. And so as we, as we transition out and in to what you have for us in this next season, um, I wanted to say thank you for giving us marching orders. Mm-hmm. And thank you for not only accomplishing all you accomplished Jesus, you also invited us to get to to partake to to jump in, to to cut our teeth, too, on the the most important task any group of people has been commissioned with. And as a church, Lord, as we enter the summer, as of this week, and approach the fall, um, please just continue to... uh, excite each of our hearts to grow deeper uh, in your word to grow deeper in uh, intimacy with you in our in our prayer closets on our own but also to be excited about growing deeper with one another you know, that we might be able to continually teach one another you know, how how to keep your commands on how to go about our lives in a way that's glorifying to you. Thank you for all the ways you're already doing that, Lord. Thank you for the last 11 years of this church seeking to do that. And we just look forward to the next season, the next months, the next year, the next 10 years as you continue to to grow mature disciples of Jesus. Lord, help us to, to be about that business. We give you... a give you our lives afresh. Lord, for any that are, that are in tough places right now, um, who, you know, who could be just in, in times of decision-making or in times of intense trial, uh, Lord, we pray that as a body we'd be able to, to prop one another up um, or that we wouldn't flee to isolation uh, in the hard times. But We'd be able to bravely uh, open the door of our lives to one another. Lord, give us, by your Holy Spirit, the love and the care and the gentle, tender uh, gaze that you want to give us toward one another. Lord, please bring more people to you uh, in this neighborhood, in this city. <laughs> Lord, we all have people who we love and care for, um, who don't know you, who don't seem to want just don't seem close. And I pray that this week you'd shock us, Lord, with open doors, um, open hearts, Lord, that we didn't think were open and words that we didn't think we had um, to be able to water those seeds and even plant and harvest. We give you the rest of our time together and, um, and we just thank you for this beautiful day. Amen. All right, we're going to Sing a couple more songs and uh, at the end we'll have our benediction but we'll also take communion together which should be the first time maybe, a little bit uh, i don't know if you do it possible. anyway we'll do that um, and yeah it'll be great let's do it it's about the end of the age
1: this is what's going to happen The keys to life and death. And in that day in the heavenly of heavenlies, there's going to be a time when people go, who is able, who is worthy to open this scroll that contains the judgment, that contains the book of eternal life? And he will step forward and say that he is worthy You know, sometimes I feel like the world is spinning out of control. And I don't even want to listen to the news because it's so dark and it's so sad and things are so broken. It's important that we remind ourselves of this, of what's going to happen. It's important that we remember that the Father truly loves us. You know, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I... Give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one's going to snatch them out of the Father's hand. He says, my Father has given them to me as greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So today, if you have struggles, if you have doubts, I encourage you, read. Read parts of Revelation where you'll see the vision and where you'll realize that love is so deep and that no one will ever pluck you out of his hand, no matter how dark the world is.
0: Something I think that applies to today, <clears throat> what Paul said about the Lord's Supper is that every time we do this together, he says, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. are proclaiming the truth of Jesus, the gospel, not only to ourselves, but to each other, The bread and the cup. He said, This is my body. Talking of the bread, this is my body that is broken for you. And uh, when we partake of it, we're reminding ourselves of that truth that we are wearing his righteousness because of his body broken. Didn't earn it? The Lord. So let's uh, partake of that. And then he so said, "When you take the cup, uh, this is the blood of the new covenant. And when you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant. You know, the covenant where we get a new heart, where." God himself dwells in our hearts by the Spirit because of Jesus. And we can then go. We can then live out by his power and be a new creation. We have a new heart. And it's all because of Jesus' spilled blood. So let's drink a bit together. Amen. Lord, we, we give you ourselves. Lord, we give you our lives. Uh, Lord, please remind us uh, with your word, uh, by your spirit, with one another. Uh, and help us to tune in to what's really going on here uh, tomorrow morning when we wake up and beyond. In Jesus' name. Uh, Steph's going to give us our benediction and then we'll, we'll go. to grab a couple of care kits on your way out, um, that are right there in the entryway. And have a blessed day. Fathers, if I missed you, come find me, I have donut cards for you.
1: Hey, How's oh, Cindy.